Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Properly, um, when, they, when they come, but we just rejoice with, with Nick and Sarah, who are a young couple in the life of our church, and we're just excited. We love new babies. We love the fact that people are having children and just filling the church with kids. And while I'm thinking about that, uh, this young couple have sort of got some very outstanding news. that They're actually expecting a baby as well. So, um, wonderful, eh? John T, a dad. Now, there's a scary thought. No, I think you're going to be an incredible dad and you're going to be an incredible mom. And we rejoice with you and we're just delighted and just keep praying for them. Those who are carrying babies, we just need to make sure that we're praying for both mom and baby and also for dad as well. That, uh, you know, dad will, uh, I'm not going to say grow up because actually you don't, you don't need to grow up. But uh, anyway, I'll move on quickly. I want to just for a moment, I'm going to have a little bit of a, just a little bit more fun with you because I want to do a little bit of a quiz just for a few moments. And uh, there's, a, there's, a common, there's a common thread, a link that just runs through what I'm about to say. And I'm just at the end of it. I'm just going to open it up and see if you can understand what that would be. In 1964, Lennon and McCartney, that's Paul McCartney, penned a song. Can anybody tell me what it would be? They pen many songs. She loves you. We'll do that again. She loves you. She loves you. Okay. In 1965, the Righteous Brothers, they sung a song that went like this. You've lost. Oh, you're rubbish. Okay. And then in 2003, my all-time favourite, Eleanor's going to love this, Queen B, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Beyonce, with her now husband, Jay-Z, she sung a song, crazy in love, crazy in love, okay. That's how, that's how she did, danced, didn't she? Oh, 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 okay. I don't know whether your particular flavour is a chick flick films that they, they, they don't, I have to say, don't do it for me. But, you know, Titanic, we're not about to represent that now with the lean over and all the rest of it. Dr. Shivago, for those who are of a particular age. Casablanca, who can remember Dirty Dancing? Oh, there's a little bit of, oh, okay. More, more, more recent, The Notebook. There's a common thread that runs through all of these things that I've just mentioned. Can anybody raise your hand? Tell me what it is, please. Raise your hand. Tell me what it is, okay? I need more hands. What is the common thread that runs, that runs through this? Okay, um, he was one of the first hands up. So, Keith, what is the... Love. Did you hear how he said it there? Love. And because Keith and Angela, they're here, they sat together and he's got the right answer. There's a £25 voucher for a romantic meal for both of you. They got the right answer. Because this morning, I want to take a moment to talk about love. Now, some of you immediately want to go to a particular place where I'm actually not going to go. This morning, I want to just 
try to help you to understand and help us understand what do we mean by this word love. You see, there's a lot of songs that are sung about it. There are many books that have been written about it. And there are many films that depict a kind of love. But here's my question that I want to ask you this morning. And for those who are taking it, I think it's a valid question that we need to just search in our own minds. What is this love? What does it do? What does it think? How does this love act? Now, the reason why I say this is because we have a particular passion as the leaders and the church, the partners of Arena Church, because we are a church that is committed to loving. Our statement actually says that we are to go and to grow and we are to love and we are to serve our world. It's at the very centre, it's at the very heart, that word is intentionally written into our purpose statement. It wasn't there just, oh, there's a good idea. We better put that in because that's the kind of word that we need to have. No, no, no. It was intentionally placed there on purpose because it is our purpose that we want to be a people that love. But I think we need to understand and get a better definition of what this love really is. So I want to speak to the principle and then we're going to look at the practice of how this works out. And I wonder if you've got a Bible, you want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians and chapter 13. If not, the verses are going to come on the screen because I want to talk about crazy in love. I want to talk about crazy in love. And this is what the Paul who was a disciple of Jesus not in the first instance, but was a follower of Jesus and was a prolific leader in the early church. And this is what he wrote. And many people are familiar with these verses, sorry, just before I read them, that even if you're not from a church background, very often we'll read these at a wedding service or you'll see them on a card or even sometimes at a funeral service because there's love to the loved ones. And this is the words that they are often often, uh, reciting. And this is what Paul says. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong. That's a horrible sound, isn't it? That noise. Gong, gong, gong. Or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, which basically means you're able to utter things from God Deliver words from God. So you've got that ability. And if I understand all of God's secret plans and possessed all the knowledge, and if I had faith that could say to a mountain, be moved, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. And if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, And I could boast about it, but I didn't love others. I would have gained nothing. Can you hear the intensity of what Paul is trying to say? Many of those things are great qualities of generosity to the poor, living with faith, understanding, hearing the heart of God. But Paul is saying you can have all of these things, but if you haven't got at the very center, love. It's worthless. 
So here's the question. What is this love that Paul is talking about? Because surely it's not what we see on EastEnders. It has nothing to do with Patrick Swayze catching a woman in the air and dirty dancing. It's got to be. It's got to be more than that. Would you not agree with Help me this morning. Or is that the kind of love that we've got in our mind? No, I actually think that Paul is wanting to say something very, very different to us. And so for the purpose of my message, I want to just quickly just skirt through four different kinds of love. And then really hone into the love that Paul is talking about. You see, psychologists have narrowed down love to four definitions. There are eight in certain places, but most of them narrow it down to four. And they originate from the Greek language. This is not going to be a history lesson. Please stay with me. But there are, there are lessons, there are words that were used in the Greek language which identified love. The first one is philio, or philio. And this love refers to an affectionate, warm, and tender, platonic love. It makes you desire to have friendship with someone. I just for a moment just sat with John T. I've known this, uh, this man for Numbers of years now, I used to pick him up. Take, didn't I? I used to yeah. drive you down to the youth or to church and pick you up from home and drive you back. I've just known him since probably 14, 15, yeah. that sort of age range. Known him for a long time. He's a friend. So there's an affection. When he told me about Kim and, and them having a baby, I was thrilled for them. It was just a love, a warmth, because we're friends. I share this with most of you because I know you well. There's a love, there's a warmth. It's nothing more than, it's not a sickly Sid, where you have it in our house, always a bit sickly Sid. It's not a sickly Sid kind of love. It's not a smarmy love. It's a genuine love. That's filio. That's the kind, one kind of love that we can look at. But there's other loves and other kinds of loves that we can look at. Let's move to the second one, which is storge. I think that's how you'd pronounce it. And this is a kind of family and friendship love. This is the, hopefully the kind, and of course this wouldn't be the case in 21st century, and certainly in the society in which we live, because there's a lot of families don't share this love, unfortunately. Because there's a lot of pain around families. A lot of dysfunctionality, a lot of d- d- divides, a lot of fractions and breaking away. But generally if you've been raised in a loving environment... This is the kind of love that you would feel. This is the love that parents, most parents, would naturally feel for their children. Linda was just telling me about grandchildren. She said, and you grandparents, give me a wave if this true. You have love for your kids, but your grandkids, it's just a different kind of love. Is that true? Okay, well, I wouldn't know that yet. And may I have a number of years before I have to feel it as well. Okay. This is the kind of love that we're talking about. It's a love that the members of the family have for each other or the love that friends feel for each other. Let's move to the third one, which is where most people, the notebook, Casablanca, Dr. Chivago, crazy in love. I've got that loving feeling. She loves you. Based around, which is Eros. 
And this is where most people think that we're settling. Because when we think about love, we just think about sex. <laughs> when we think about love, we think about just emotion and getting out there. I'm just talking generally to the world. And to be honest with you, this can slip into the church. But there is a genuine love of eros. It's a passionate and intense love that arouses romantic feelings. And yes, because there are no children here, and I'm not about to make you squirm, but it often triggers high feelings in a new relationship that makes you say, I love you. And it moves into an emotional and a sexual love. And by the way, just to underscore this, there is nothing wrong with sexual relations with husband and wife and just in a loving, loving marriage. It's a gift from God. But that's where most people are trying to just base this love. But there's a fourth kind of love. Not only do we have the filio, the storge, the eros, but there is a love called agape. A strange word. But basically this is an unconditional love. This means I will love you whatever. This means that I will see beyond the outer surface and I will accept you for who you are regardless of your flaws, your shortcomings or your faults. This kind of love needs to be in a husband and wife. This kind of love needs to be in the church. This is the kind of love that God expressed to the world. It's the type of love that everyone strives to have for their fellow human beings. Although you may not like someone, you decide to love them just as a human being. This is, this is the kind of love that is all about sacrifice. As well as giving and expecting nothing in return. It's a committed and chosen love. And if I can say just for the message this morning, 1 Corinthians 13 is not talking about filio love. It is not talking about storage love. It is not talking about eros love. It is talking about agape love. That is the original. It's talking about this unconditional love that we have for one another. This is the kind of love that we wrote into our statements that we want to go and to grow and we want to love unconditionally to the world. That means to say there's been numbers of people who've criticized us for helping the kinds of people that we're helping. They don't understand the kind of love that we're driven by. We're driven by agape love. Why? Because the agape love of God has gripped our hearts. This unconditional love that knew, knew no bounds and looked to the desperate world. God looking down on us, on me, and saying, Oh, my goodness, look at the sins of Christian. Look at the faults of Christian. Look at the shortcomings of Christian. Look how he thinks. Look how he acts. And yet, in spite of all my failings and shortcomings and sins... God showed his agape love to me with sacrifice. This is the kind of love that the Bible that God is wanting us to understand today. And it's interesting that I didn't know the events of last night were going to unfold. And I'll make comments about it in a moment because it's easy for us to say, well, we're called to love those who are lovely, but what about those who are unlovely? In our minds, what do we do with that? So there's the principle. 
It's agape love. I have no problem with eros love. I have no problem with storage love. I have no problem with filio love. And those all need to be intermingled. But it's agape love that we are talking about when we look at the Bible verses that we are referencing. So how does this work out, this principle? Because it's easy to have a principle. But how does this work out in my life? What do I need to do with it? Well, for me, one of the greatest passages... In the Bible of Jesus revealing agape love is found in John and chapter 13. So we're going to read that together. Again, it'll come on the screens. And whilst people are finding their way there to John 13 and verse 1, again, if you're not from a Christian background or church background, let me give you a little bit of context because again, it's a familiar passage they may have come across in school or just read about or even seen um, um, painted about. Because in the National Gallery, there sits a painting that dates back to the 1500s. Let me just make sure I get this right. Painted by Jacopi, Jacobo, sorry, Tin Toretto. And he depicted Jesus washing his disciples' feet. It was a very, very powerful picture. There have been numbers of people who've drawn. And they say a picture says a thousand words. And in this case, it's probably a million words. Who's ever seen this kind of thing in pictorial form of Jesus washing the disciples' feet? Just give me a raise of your hand if you have. Yeah, there's numbers of you. And this is where we've got the story. Because this is what was happening. Let's get to it. Because Jesus was wanting to help them to understand the principle. And then he wanted them to understand the practice. What does this mean? What does this mean? So in this story, we see the principle and the practice working its way out. And it says there, before Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. It wasn't literally leave, it was for him to die. And it says there that he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. It's a very poignant verse that. Because of the verses that we're going to come on to. Because he knows full well that one of them is going to betray him. And he knows one of them is going to disown him. And he knows many of them are going to be scattered because they're too gutless to stand with him. He loved them to the very end. And it says there that it was time for supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. And that he had come from God and he would return to God. So he got up from the table. He took off his robe. There would have been an outer garment and an inner garment, by the way. Jesus wasn't naked. He took off his outer garment. And he wrapped a towel round his waist. He filled a bowl of water. And he began to wash his disciples' feet and drying them with the towel he had around him. Let's stop there for a moment. Because this has no context. You think, why are you even doing this? Because we wear shoes. 
And we haven't got the weather of what they would have been having there. But it was very dusty, very warm, very hot. And they would have wore sandals. And the custom of the day was, before you had a meal, particularly in those who had wealth, there would have been servants. And the servant's job was not just to serve the food, but it was to wash the feet of those they were serving. And they were stood around looking. The disciples would have been looking. Well, who are the servants? There were no servants. I think that was intentional. Jesus had made sure there was no servants. He was seeing, would any of them move? But none of them would move because they weren't going to serve one another like that. We were were not going to degrade ourselves to wash the, 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 the feet of Peter or the feet of Judas. They need to be, no, I'm not doing that. Jesus was discerning all this that was going on in their hearts. Listen, because he had such a gape love, because he had such a gape love, unconditional love, he stripped off his outer garment and took the bowl of water and poured it with water, poured the basin with water, and began to wash these smelly, stinking feet. I say all this, and many of you know the story, but there's three things that were really powerful to me this week as I was reflecting on these things. Because this kind of agape love is crazy. It really is. It's crazy love. And what does this crazy love do? Well, this crazy love sees others. That's the first thing I want to say. This crazy love sees others. You may say, Christian, what do you mean by sees others? What I mean is, it sees others not as they are, but as they could be. Not as they are, but as they are in the sight of God. Because God loves everybody. It would have been so easy for Jesus to have looked into the depths of their hearts, particularly Judas, And say, he's going to be the one who's going to betray me. I am not washing his feet. Peter, he's going to disown me. He's going to sell me out. Judas, he's going to sell me out. I'm not washing their feet. But this agape love is crazy because it sees others. And it saw into the depths of their heart. And saw the good. This agape love sees the qualities in others. Must understand that his disciples were a band of ragamuffins. I mean, they really were. They were clueless in so many ways. They had so many faults and failings, like we do. We read the Bible like they were superhuman. They weren't, they were human, they were ordinary like us. But i tell you what happened. Agape love not only gripped Jesus, but it gripped these group of men and women. That's what happened. And it made them crazy. Crazy in love. And they began to see others. You see, this love hates the evil. I hate what I was reading last night. Late. And I don't know the full report because I've not looked at it today of what had ha- what's happened in London. I hate what's happened. 
in Manchester. I hate what's happening around the world now. This word's a strong word, but it's true. I hate what's happening around the world. I hate the evil. Let me tell you, God hates the evil. He hates the evil, but he loves the evildoer. Have you got that? Because very often we mix the two and we hate the evil and we hate the evildoer. We're called, commanded with agape love to love the evildoer. I know this is difficult, church. I know this is difficult to get our head around because we immediately say, well, what happened if this was my wife? What happened if this was my child? What happened if this was my husband? What happened if this was my mom or this was my dad? I understand that. But the Bible's quite clear. We hate what is evil, but we're called to love the evildoer. This is not possible without agape love. And there are many people in our community who are causing mayhem. You may have a neighbor who's causing incredible problems for you. Music's loud. Tensions are high. Lots of dysfunctionality. And I understand that that is not good and there's got to be a way of, I'm not just saying you roll over, there's got to be communication, but we're not called to hate the perpetrators of evil. We're called to agape love them. And this is tough, I'm sorry, this is not an easy message. If you thought you was going to get all fluff, it's not an easy message. Because Jesus was trying to help us to understand a principle. And this principle for arena churches, that we're not just to go and grow and, oh, to love and to serve. We're called to agape love. And then that means that we'll go and serve those who will disown us, who will betray us, who will say all kinds of things about us, and yet we're still called to love them. I know it's not an easy message. It really isn't. It isn't an easy message for me. You see, this agape love embraces and touches the broken. Secondly, this crazy love doesn't just see others, but it then serves others. It's all right for you to say, okay, well, I'll have Judas with us if he has to come along, but don't ask me to serve him. Has anybody ever lived like that? Well, okay, you've asked to be a friend, sort of acquaintance with him, but don't ask me to do anything nice for them. I mean, be honest here. Anybody ever thought like that? Yeah, thanks, Elliot, for being honest. You're the honest man in the room. Yeah, most, all of us. But this is what Jesus is calling us to. He's so tough, I understand. He's so tough. But Jesus is saying to us, this crazy love doesn't just see others. This crazy love serves others. You see, it's easy to serve the loving, the amiable, the sweet people in this church. You're, you're, I have to say, you are easy to love because you are very lovable. You're very kind. Well, most of you. I didn't look at anybody. <laughs> you're sweet. You're generous. I was only thinking as you was, cars were rolling in, you come here. I, we don't know how many people are going to turn up. You're so supportive. You're so encouraging. You're a wonderful church. Most churches don't operate like this around the country. You are a great, great church. Honestly, I say that without any hesitation. But there's a bad community out there. Would we not agree? It's pretty wretched at times and does some dark things. If you ever read the the news, I have to be very careful what I read because 
by nature, I'm a glass half full. By nature, I'm an optimist. By nature, I always see the good in everybody. But I have to be very careful, and I don't suffer with depression. But I have to be very careful when I read the news, and I don't allow my heart to get very depressed, because it's so broken. And it could cause me to say, well, I'll serve those who are good. So I'll serve a Mrs. Whitaker because she's so loving and so kind. I'll serve a Neil and Anne because they're so lovely, and they are, and all these guys are so lovely. They're easy to love. You guys are easy to love, but don't ask me to love those people or serve those people who are nasty, who are doing horrible things to children, who are taking drugs and causing mayhem in our community. Hello? Who are dropping bombs and going into concerts with kids. Don't ask me to love them. Guys, it's so difficult. I'm sorry to say the matter, but this is where it drives very deep because this is the crazy love, the agape love. <laughs> That's going to make the difference in this world. It's not going to be the, oh, lovely, oh, I love you, Jeff. Oh, I love you, Kim. Oh, it's like, no, this love hurts. This love hurts. You see, love and serve are twins. If you love agape, you will serve. Jesus just did it. And if you serve authentically, you're loving with agape love. Like I said, this is where love hurts. Washing the feet of those who sell you out hurts. We've all had people who've sold us out. And then God says to us again, go and, go and wash their feet. And you're like, you must be kidding me. Wash their feet. I'd like to cut them off. Never mind, wash them. Hello, just lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> Give me a wave. There'll be lots of, if that's what you felt like. You must be joking. Wash them. I'd like to kill them. This crazy love serves others. After washing their peedy feet, it says in John 13, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? It's not on the media, guys, so just stay with me. He says to them, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Agape love. I am teacher and I am Lord. I am master. I am Messiah. I'm the creator of this universe. You're right in all those descriptions. I am all those things and more. And if I can do this for you, I am now asking you to be bearers and carriers of this unconditional love to those who you do not want to love and serve. Oh my goodness. Jesus, why did you have to, why was this have to be written in this book? This makes it so difficult. This is why living as a Christian is so tough. <laughs> I have given you an example to follow. Jesus then says, Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth slaves are not greater than their master. 
nor is the message messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Listen, now, to, now that you know these things, and you now know these things, God will bless you for doing them. They're the words of Jesus. So if you want the blessing, now you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So here's, my time's nearly gone. I'm just going to race through point three. What are we going to do with serve day? Is it going to be Julie or whoever, Tracy, trying to drum up support? I hope not. Because I hope collectively we will say we will get involved in serve day on the 15th of July. This is just one way of expressing our love and service to our community. I'll come on to a moment. It's not just one day and then you're scot-free and you can hate and want to kill the feet and chop the feet off. Now, But this is one, one day when we together collectively can go and love and serve our community. You may say, well, I actually can't make the day. Well, you can be involved in the day by doing some baking, if you're a baker. By giving, by praying. But there's many of us who are around and we can serve in whatever way. Small groups are going to be working through the small groups. And listen, I'm just saying to us, it's, it's collectively our responsibility. That's all I'm saying to us. Collectively, it's our responsibility to go and love agape to our community. But then what does this mean for us in our communities? What does this mean for our neighbours? What does this mean for our workplaces? What does this mean for those that we do life with through teams that we're involved in? What does it mean for the people that we know around our world? What, what, does, it, what does this look like? Just take a moment and ask him for an answer. What does this look like? What does this mean for us? As a group of people, what does this mean? Because none of us get off scot-free. Jesus is saying to us, listen, I have washed your feet. You now go and wash the feet of others. Go and serve them. Go and see them. Help them. So we have to figure out what that means for us. It might be that actually we've got to let some hatred go. We may have to let some prejudice go. We might need to talk to somebody about walking through a process of letting some of those things go because it's so painful. But none of us have a right to stay where we are in hatred and prejudice. We don't. Because Jesus says to us to go and love and serve. Agape love to those in our world. Thirdly, this crazy love celebrates others. Oh, please, Christian, give it a break, will you? Sorry, I'm just saying what you're thinking. You're now telling me I have to see them. You're now telling me I have to serve them. And now you're asking me to celebrate them? You must be kidding. Anybody want for me to shut up? Just wave your hand. <laughs> that had the best response of the morning. Okay. Ha. Celebrate. You must be kidding. No, Jesus did. Because he took the role of a servant and he elevated his disciples and he celebrated them. You see, agape love, listen, puts others above and before ourselves. Listen, this agape love lets others get ahead. Can I have a confession just in this moment? I don't like anybody getting ahead of me. 
particularly in a car queue. Give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about. I'm dreadful at a shopping queue. And if I think that somebody's sneaking in, I'm, 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 I'm a big fella. So I'm... Don't all look at me like that as though you are, but you've all done it. Even you little ones, don't all... Why is that? Because we don't like anybody getting ahead of us. So this is a massive one for me. Because I'm now asking to see those. I've now been asked to serve those. And now you're asking me to celebrate them? Give me a break. Now Jesus won't give us any break. He's not going to cut any slack. Because he's asking us to pour out with agape love. Unconditional love. We have an opportunity here, quickly, next week at Arena. If some of you are planning to be away, and you've already planned it, that's fine. But please, can I ask the church to come out in full force next Sunday? Oftentimes, it's noted, because we have a community service, people think it's going to be very busy, and you don't come. It's difficult to park the car or difficult to get in. I don't think it'll be as busy as Christmas, but I'm asking us, please don't do that. This is the way that we can show agape love. Because we're going to celebrate the others in our community. Schools, school children. We're going to celebrate them. We're going to celebrate school teachers. We're going to celebrate some local counsellors. We're going to celebrate those dignitaries if they're, if they're here. We're going to celebrate them. For no other reason that we want to show our love towards them. We may not politically agree with some of them. We may not agree with their morals. But we're going to love them. And it's an opportunity for us all to do it. So if I can ask us next week to come out in full force and do that. This crazy love sees others. This crazy love serves others. This crazy love celebrates others. But for those who are still not convinced, you say, Christian, why should I love? These people who are in my world, I'm deserving of my attitude towards them. Because these people have hurt me. They've abused me. Past experience and wounds and pain. And you think you're justified in where you are. If I can just say in conclusion, please don't stay in your pain. Don't stay in your pain. God wants to bring us into a place of freedom. It only comes as we know God. And as we know God, we'll begin to find freedom. Please don't stay in your pain. Because God is wanting us to walk us as a church and as, and as people into this crazy love. And I'll tell you why. Because at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, and it talks about love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. And it goes through a number of things. And then it, the final thing it says is this. And love never fails. Love never fails. Love always overcomes. Love always conquers. That's why I say, what is my conclusion? What are my thoughts around this message? The thoughts around this message is, if I want to win in life, I've got to embrace this agape love. Martin Luther King, I quoted it in the weekly news a couple of weeks ago, said this, darkness cannot drive out darkness. And boy, are we seeing some darkness in the world. Only light can do that. 
Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Only love can do that. I wonder what our families, our communities, our workplace would look like if we truly agape loved and if we truly agape served. My final comment is this. There's almost a sense in which, and I thought, really, should I put this in? Yeah, I have put it in and I'm going to say it. I feel this is a battle cry from one of the leaders. It's a battle cry for us to say, come on, guys, let's rise up. Not with fluffy love, (laughs) and that's nice. I like a bit of fluff, by the way, so if you could give me a bit of fluff downstairs, that'll be nice. (laughs) I don't mind that. Oh, you were brilliant. Thank you. Okay. We all like it at times, but that isn't going to build our lives. That isn't going to build the kingdom. It isn't. I love my wife. I don't need to go where. I'm quite happy to be married to my wife. I love my family. There's that love of a family. But this is a battle cry for agape. That we will see, we will serve, and we will celebrate others. I wonder if we'd close our eyes and bow our heads.